Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our fifth and the second last summoning <gasps> episode for the show Lucifer. No! But also, yay! Yay! <laughs> But before we get into the meat of it, oh, we nom, nom. want to shout out our entire Patreon team. Thank you, every single person that have joined our Patreon over the last nearly two years. We're nearly on the two years mark. Oh my God, yes. Thank you so much for being here. You are helping us make this podcast as much as possible and... It's a pleasure to see you around and it's always nice to have you interact with us and we love you very much and hopefully we'll get to meet yous in person, at least some of them, because we have already met a few of our patrons before. Yes, we have and we know we might meet more of them if some conventions actually fucking finally happen. Also, I think when this comes out, it will be two years. Oh, okay. I think so. Even closer than it is now. Yeah, pretty sure it will be just about two years when this comes out. So, Well, happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Thank you to every single one of you. No matter which level you joined, it means we... the world to us. Honestly. We are toddlers. We are doing this to keep sane in a certain way. But to know that not only are there people out there who listen to the humongous amounts of hours that we talk about this show, but also that there are people out there who consider this worthy enough to be supported in this way is absolutely baffling to both of us. So honestly and truly, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. But now, enough with the feely, mealy shit. Let's get into the meat. Let's, like, like Vera said, the meat. Om nom nom. Let's talk about the tasty bits. Yay! Like you have hopefully already gotten used to, we will keep the same format we had the last summoning episodes. So we shall start talking about the most and least character development. Vero, what is your pick? for most character development. And is it the same as mine? I did not prepare a backup. I have suggestions for backup so I can like talk possibly about other characters. But I think the one and only that have gotten the most space and have gotten... Then it's not mine. ...through so much this season. To me, it's Mace. Oh, wow. Did not see that coming. I don't disagree, but it's not my choice. So... Please talk about it. So we look at Mace and in the first episode of this season, we watch her teaming up with Chloe just so she can get over the fact that Eve left her behind. Oh, so yes. she And that Lucifer of, left her. Both of and them left Lucifer her. Lucifer also left her, but he also left Chloe. So she's clinging to her and tries to bond a little bit too much. And Chloe ends up rejecting her. Well, rejecting... She draws a boundary. She Yeah, she draws a line. However, knowing Mace, she reacts in the most Mace possible. And that is she starts <laughs> kicking and yelling and leaves. The most Mace possible is an amazing idiom. And I'm going to steal that. I love it. But... She goes through this whole process of like, I want to have somebody significant in my life. And she is struggling. She is so angry at everybody around her. And she really doesn't know what's happening. While she manages to get Lucifer's ring slash her mother's, her mother's ring story. Yeah. 
And that sends her on the path of looking for a soul. Yeah. If we go through this and we kind of fast forward for the, to the second half of the season where she finds out she actually does have a soul. She's and growing she completely, one. She's growing a soul. And she gets completely freaked out because, again, she mazes out and pushes away everybody, yells and kicks and screams. And then she goes through the realization that some things are just too important to leave behind and to avoid. Yeah. And we end with the creation of Maeve. Yeah. And we end with Maeve being as solid as she's ever been, accepting herself, having a soul or growing a soul nearly to adulthood. To me, that was just such a beautiful growth. You're absolutely right. I don't understand how I completely missed this because... <laughs> When I started writing my notes, there was only one option for me. There was only one option and I would be surprised if you weren't able to call which character I decided to focus on. Because Can I guess? Please do. Is it done? Of course it is. <sighs> pew, pew, pew. I have been obsessed with Dan the entire season. And so I really have to say, you are absolutely right. And you might even be more right than me in the which character had the most character development. But I will talk about Mace at another point in our summoning. So yes, I went with Dan because just like you said for Mace, we start the season with him grieving Charlotte. He has her picture on his desk. He is trying to find solace in those self-help books and stones and positivity pages and posters and shit like that, you know? Okay, well, least the developed character. I have to say, this was really hard. Because everyone went through some development. Mm -hmm. So I had to nitpick to find one. Did you have an easier time? I think I did at the end because I chose to look at it from a little bit of a different different perspective. Ooh, okay, now I'm curious. So you go first. Often when we talk about the least developed character over the season, it's usually a bad thing. It's usually something that we are complaining about. Mm-hmm. But I have decided to look at it from a different point of view. And therefore, I ended up going with Chloe. Ooh. The reason for that, she has gone through so much. And she has come so far over the last four seasons. Mm-hmm. Then when she enters season five, she's already pretty much there so she's worked through all of these things and even in season five she's gone through stuff but in comparison to other characters she really didn't have that far to go she was just there for lucifer and she's been very very stable and we've been talking about how stable and amazing she is yeah for the entire season so to me even lucifer even though he goes through quite a lot, he doesn't do as much of a journey as Mace or Dan did. But Chloe has been the most stable part of this entire show for season five. And as much as in season one, that was a bad thing because she was a new character and we didn't really know her that well. In season five, I think it's a good thing because it's good to have one stable thing in the entire show because that helps us center it better. I'm going to contest this because Mm -hmm. this time I disagree with you. The change at the end of her learning about her father and her parents' relationship and her giving up the core of her being for being supportive of her partner is Mm -hmm. such a huge step that I disagree with you that she has the least development. The final thing is why I disagree with you. Okay. 
Okay, but I get that. I see where you come from. I love the perspective because I did not look at it that way. And this is a really smart perspective to look at. And I am kind of miffed I didn't think about it. <laughs> because you have a really, really good point. And usually we tend to look at least with a negative point of view when it actually doesn't have to. And that's a really good point. And maybe uh, we should apply this to our everyday life. But yeah. Wow. Now we solved all of our life's problems. Well, not all, but maybe some. I went completely different because I went with Linda. I kind of expected you to go there, yeah. Because in my opinion, Linda has been reduced to mom this season. And this kind of made her stuck in a pretty one-note situation. Because mostly it is with her being this proto-helicopter mom to Charlie. But mm. also with the Ariana storyline. She has no agency and thus no development of her own character because everything that she is doing is centered and focused on either Charlie or Ariana. There is nothing else. She isn't progressing and evolving for herself. Everything she does is for her children. And if she has any potential realization or character development, it is missing the next episode. For example, the episode with Ariana. There is this huge moment where we as a viewer learn how much Lucifer has learned from therapy with Linda. And this should have been a milestone in Linda's life because her work with Lucifer is what enabled Lucifer to change that much, to be that much less selfish. And she doesn't even really acknowledge it and it has no effect on her life. And it also shows in how much she is missing in everyone else's life. And I've commented on this repeatedly on the show how I get that her priority is her kid and mm -hmm. it's totally valid like don't get me wrong I'm not saying like just because you're a mother you don't have to prioritize your child or anything like bullshit like that but because they made her only agency her motherhood she mm. is missing from Lucifer's life from Maze's life and from Ella's life so both as a friend as a therapist and as a therapist slash friend because for Lucifer she's both she She is not present enough because she is not an individual anymore. She is just a mother. And I am fully aware I am heavily projecting in here as well because I take <laughs> so much issue when female characters are reduced to I am now a mother and thus I have no agency. Yeah. This is why I had to go with one of my former favorite characters. Not there anymore. That's sad. She got kicked out of my top three. In fairness, you needed to make space for Dan. Do you want to take a guess who my top three are? Is it Dan, Dan and Dan? No, it's three different. It's three different characters. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. Number one is Daniel. Yes. Number two is Mace. Yes. And number three is the one is that's gonna surprise you. Eve. You're very good. Yes. I listen to you sometimes. Yep. <laughs> that is my current top three. And that is the reason why Linda got kicked out of it. Yeah. Because even though Eve wasn't around much, she was fucking amazing. And I absolutely love her. And I love everything they did with her. Yeah. Which is actually an amazing segue into our next segment. <laughs> because I'm gonna start this one and our next Go segment is your favorite relationship on the show no repeats and that was an easy one because the ones I had before uh, 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 not even close but a possibility this time because my favorite relationship is Mace 
and Eve. That was my favorite relationship last summoning, so I couldn't go with that. But I agree. Because everything you said about the most character development regarding Mace is true. Every single thing, you are so right. And when you look at it with the focus of the relationship, Mace struggling with the impact Eve leaving had on her and her working through that with all the soul business. It's kind of sad to me that we see Eve's growth only off screen. But when she comes back, it is so obvious how much work she put in. Like Eve did the work just like Mace. Eve really looked deep into herself. She put in all the effort and I absolutely love it. And then they meet again. And we talked about this in the episode when they meet. It is so well done with Eve realizing like, oh well, the sweet meat cue that I had in mind didn't work. So now I have to be creative but I really suck at this ah! and it's so bad and it's so adorable and like both Maze and Eve have all these insecurities but every single insecurity gets addressed both on Eve's side but also on Maze's side of course and then we have this amazing moment with the ring of Lilith being offered by Maze to Eve and Eve going like, no, I have seen what this does and I will not go down this path. And this putting another dent into the potential happily ever after, but it makes sense because this is something they have to work through. And like every single step was so sensible and emotional at the same point, which is, in my opinion, a very difficult balance to match. And then... We end in fucking joyful perfection. And this is why I went with them. Because this is one of the things that made me the happiest this season. And they better not fuck with this next season. They live happily ever after. I don't care. Uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's um, I'm really glad that they get mentioned this summoning as uh, much as they did mention by me in the last summoning. Also to have a canonically lesbian couple. Yes, because of course, and they're still alive. I know this is the 21st century and it's like, duh, but it's a happy, healthy couple and both of them are alive. Unless you're watching Shit's Creek, please tell me other shows where we have queer couples like that. I'm pretty sure there are out there, but you have to look for them. Exactly. You shouldn't have to look for them. Exactly. And it's just like, ah! Yeah, sorry. Okay, I'm good. It's your turn for favorite relationship on the show. Because I've talked about Maeve in the last summoning. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I am grateful that we have managed to talk about this couple in both of them, even though we said no repeat. Well, for ourselves. For ourselves, obviously. Yes. This is why we're a team. Yay! Yay! There's no L or V in team. Except now it is. Makes complete sense. Okay, maybe... um, you are not wine. aware of this, listeners, but we are drinking wine and I... A lot of wine. We just skipped about an hour of intermission of talking about other things. So I have finished my second glass and I'm getting the a boys. little bit... Oh yeah. Shit's Greek. It's all in a bonus. Or mostly. So what is your favorite pairing of this season? My favorite pairing is Dan and Ella. Oh, wow. 
You have my attention. The reason I went with this, and you have mentioned a few things about that in your Dan praise earlier. Dan has such an amazing relationship with so many characters this season. True. He really steps up and he is the only person who's actively trying to help Ella. Because Ella so is true. going through this entire roller coaster of a season. She has been through dating a serial killer. She has been through losing her faith and discovering her faith again and all of these things have been brewing within her. Dan is the only one who notices that. And one of the reasons he notices that is because he's too going through a very difficult time when he's trying to cope with discovering the celestial. So they both have this very similar thing and difficulty that they're going through and they help each other out. Dan is the only one who helps Ella out and I'm just so happy that she has him. But also I'm so happy that Dan has somebody who is not connected to the celestial world that he can talk to and she cares and she cares and because everybody else when he comes to her with the Danielle Espinosa Naked and Afraid episode she is all there for him Mm -hmm. and the thing is he could have gone to Chloe he could have gone to anybody but all of these people are either celestials who he is deadly afraid of or people who are in cohorts with them. Yeah. Like Linda or Chloe. This is a really good point. Really the only option that he has is Ella. And the fact that she is there for him while also he is there for her. It just made my heart sing and it just made me really, really happy. So that's why I decided to go with them. I absolutely fucking love it. And I am upset with myself that it didn't even cross my mind. So, <laughs> so far, this summoning episode, I really have to say I am so grateful for your perspective because twice now you have pointed out something that wasn't even on my radar and you are absolutely right so thank you for that I am gonna confess I had a backup because I didn't go through your notes and I was worried that you might have the Mace Eve as well so my backup favorite relationship was Lucifer and Amenadiel that is true they were beautiful and they really did so much work and Amenadiel is so supportive of Lucifer but also the other way around yeah Lucifer who hates children canonically being there for Ames with the whole the baby is fussy and we have to reveal that he likes the demon face and the devil face and everything so this was my backup just in case you had Mason Eve I had Lucifer and Amenadiel because I really feel that their brother relationship has reached the next level if we had the most development of a relationship that would definitely be one of them right oh right because we say favorite and not the most no I'm happy with our setting I'm happy with our setting yeah yeah, no, this is all good. Okay, we haven't even come across uh, beyond my first page of notes, so <laughs> we need to focus. Yeah, we're both half page into mine. <laughs> exactly. The next spot on our list is top three favorite episodes of season five with explicitly no backup prepared. So let's see how that went. And I'm going to start us off with okay. my top one. Oh, do we start with top one or top four? Are we starting from the top or are we starting from the bottom? Well, I mean, we usually start from the bottom, but let's switch things up. I want to start from the top. Okay. If you want to f- start from the top, if you are a top, well, you no, start the top. I usually am not a top, but hey, it's New Year, New Me or something. It's 1st of February. Listen, it's a this. summoning episode. Anything can happen. Anything goes, which is an amazing song. Um, Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, and this is the part where we're starting to get giddy. Starting? Okay. My up uh- 
absolute favorite episode, top one, number one, top of the class, episode 12, Daniel Espinosa, Naked and Afraid. Gasp. The only reason I have to give for this is it's the Dan episode. Indeed it is. I knew that this one is going to be on your list because you have said it repeatedly. (laughs) So I have removed it from the equation completely and decided to focus on the rest of the season. Fair enough. Valid. Is there any other reason you want to talk about why well, it was I mean, Daniel Espinosa? Okay, so, of course, it's the Dan episode. But another reason why it's so amazing is twofold. Number one, it is a follow-up of the revenge plan board, the project payback. And mm-hmm. I love a good follow-up. So this is... One of the reasons, completely unrelated to Dan, the character. And the other thing is, this was such a break we got from the meta-plot-driven storytelling that we usually get within Lucifer. Because all the other character-focused episodes still have some focus of the meta-plot, some case of the week. Something that connects them to our usual, okay, what is going on? This episode is 100% standalone while being a love letter to the fan, to the show, and to everything in between. Yes. And this is why it is my absolute favorite of the season. Yeah. They took the time and I appreciate it. Yeah, I can very much accept that. It's an excellent episode. It would have made my top three for sure if I didn't know that you're going to have it there. Like, there's no debate. So which is your number one? My number one, and there are multiple reasons for this, my number one episode is episode seven, Our Mojo. It's an episode (sighs) that not only is the one with the Shining references... I hate you so much because this episode is amazing, but it hurt me in all the wrong ways, which is why it did not make my top three. Well, it is an episode that is really funny and good on the meta plot. It's so good to watch Lucifer trying to, like, struggling to grasp the concept of sharing yourself as a person with your partner. Even though you want to do it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's an easy thing to do. Just because it's right doesn't mean it's easy. Exactly. We get all of that and it does get a solution at the end. But also, we get this absolutely fucking enjoyable case of the week slash episode murder. The Whisper Killer. The Whisper Killer and the way we have Pete incorporated in that is so Back, good. back when everything was okay. Exactly. And especially <laughs> doing a rewatch knowing that Pete is the whisper killer. And when he talks about it, when he talks to Lucifer, how scary it is to open up when we know it's about him trying to relate to Ella. You are right, you are right. All of these little details and like the fact that we got to dissect the behavior that Pete presents and knowing that he is the killer, even though we did that mainly in the bonus. Well, we only did that in the bonus because we didn't want to spoil anybody. I'm pretty sure that we came back to it. Hashtag become a believer because then you can listen to the bonus and know before anyone else. That is very true. That is very true. But I'm pretty sure we did come back to it. But oh, yeah, we did. It's just such a joy to watch something like that. And then, of course, on the next side, the camera on this on this episode was excellent. It was so well done. It was so well thought through. 
It was a great episode. Also, this is the episode where the manipulation of Dan comes to the end and he shoots Lucifer at the very end. Oh, that's true. That's actually also true. Because this is the song that I have chosen for my Devils in the Music Switcheroo segment. This is where Michael's manipulation finds his first realization. It doesn't work because thankfully Chloe tells Lucifer, oh, it's like you finally started to lower your walls for me. And of course, Lucifer's reaction is like, BAM! Get Bye. them! Get them walls back up! Now I'm not even vulnerable anymore in your proximity! And then Dan shows I up and shoots invincible. him and nothing happens. But it's yeah. like, there's so much going on, but because it's so painful, I was not able to put it in my top three because I have happy moments in my top three. That's fair. I mean, to me, there was a lot of happiness in there. In Watching this brought me a lot of joy. You know, life is so bleak and there was so much foreshadowing in episode seven that I was not able to put it in my top three but you are right it is an amazing episode i have absolutely no argument against it being on your number one spot so let's go to top two episode and for me that is the finale because like i said when we recorded this episode this is a great wrap up of the season and like i said it would even have been a great potential wrap up of the show in itself I would have been satisfied if that had been the end. I would have still have questions. Don't get me wrong. I'm really, really appreciative and happy that we get a season six. But I feel like the most important things have been sorted. The emotional impact has been delivered on. We have Lucifer finally being able to go to heaven before he becomes God. And now he is God. And we end this with, oh my me. Chloe has made her stance extremely clear. She is committed 100% to support him. Amenadiel has shown his loyalty. Mace and Eve are sorted. Amenadiel and Linda are happy in their co-parenting. Ella has met this new person at Dan's funeral. The only untied thread is Dan is in hell. But because we meet Mr. Set Out Bitch in heaven, we have the hope that at some point Dan will be able to work through whatever is keeping him in hell and he will make it to heaven. So even if we didn't have season six, I would not worry about any of my characters in this moment. Yeah. And this is why episode 16, A Chance at a Happy Ending, is my top two pick. Yeah, it's a great episode. It has so much emotions and stuff happening in there. And yet it doesn't leave up with a sour mouth, sour aftertaste. It just kind of really, it gives us Maeve. Amongst other things, it gives us Azrael. It gives us the completion of Deckerstar. Another thing, they both die. Deckerstar both die, but they are both alive. And they return. And like you just said, and we get fucking Azrael. Oh my god, I should have mentioned her. Why wasn't she in my reasoning why this is top two? I w- oh my god, that still breaks my heart when she shows up. <laughs> oh, it's just so, <sighs> such a strong moment. However, enough about your number two. Let's talk about my number two. And I am pretty sure you're going to disagree with me on this one. But... Is it a black and white one? It is the black and white one. I hate you. I disagree with you. (laughs) It's episode four. It never ends well for the chicken. And the reasons for this. Watching it as it goes, it's a good episode. But looking at it in the context of the whole season, it's the moment where Maze's struggle to find the soul starts in a big way. We had hints at it 
multiple times before, but this is the moment when she's like, I want this. We talk about the ring for the first time in a very big way. And that comes back in the finale. So again, a massive thing for the context of the entire season. We get really great music in this episode. I love jazz and it's just something that I really enjoy. So I love it. I love the fact that we get to hear Leslie Ann sing in her own accent, which is incredible. Every single one of our actors gets to stretch their muscles a little bit more. And I know that you don't like how they represent Dan, but everybody else, it's just such a parody on itself at times that it just gives us this really different look at the acting abilities of the actors. And I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And also Trisha Helfer's back. So I'm always here for Trisha Helfer. And that is the only reasoning I'm gonna count as a valid because I literally disagree <laughs> with everything else you said. But How do you hate jazz? No, I love jazz, but not those songs. And we're gonna talk about this in the next installment. But since I know what a huge Trisha Helfer fan you are, the only valid reason why I am willing to accept that this is your top two pick is because Trisha is back. Yay! I mean, it's not like I picked the the other one when she penultimate episode when Mom is back, right? That's yeah. episode fifteen, I think it is, right? Oh, is it? Is it? Is this really how it's going to end? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Top three, third place, and I had a hard time settling, but. Mostly it was a character decision because I chose this episode because I did not have any other space for this character in our summoning episode. And I went with episode five, Detective Amanda Deal, because this is where the final foundation is laid for him wanting to become a cop at the end of the season, which is something that Dan then supports him in. And while I still feel that, dude, you're an angel, you could be so much more. This is the episode where it makes sense why in the end of the season, Amenadiel says, hey, I want to be a cop. Because we have the whole Caleb stuff happening in the previous season. And this is where he is the consultant. This is where he works with Chloe. And this is actually something I forgot about when we come to the moment where he's like telling Dan, dude, I want to be a cop. And Dan is like, dude, really? And I should have referenced this when we covered the that episode but it actually makes a lot of sense and I really appreciate the evolution Amenadiel has gone through and I kind of wanted Amenadiel to have a space in my summoning episode and so this is part of why episode 5 Detective Amenadiel is my top 3 pick well, this works out great because this means that we do not have any doubles because for my third favorite episode, I have decided to go with episode one, the opener, the season opener of really? season five. Okay, really sad devil guy. And the reason for that is, and we've talked about this during the coverage, it's the pearls, it's the way they built this episode. And yes, I know that we both agree that time-wise it doesn't really make any sense because time moves differently on Earth and Hell, and it's a big problem. Yes! This is why this episode is not higher on the list. Ah, okay, okay. But it's still such a well-done idea. It works really well because we get to have both of our main characters on a different realm while working with each other. And there is a lot of things that are happening that I didn't pick up on the first watch. Mm -hmm. We managed to kind of draw them out within each other when we were covering the episode. So I am very grateful for this episode. It's really good. You have a lot of fun moments and you can see how much Chloe, both Chloe and Lucifer are struggling. But mainly, I have to say, when I was trying to pick the best songs, majority of the songs in episode one and 
ended up on my shortlist because they're just so very good. One of my top three is from episode one. Yeah. And we get to meet Michael for the first time. It ends with that creepy smile. True. That creepy look directly into the camera. And it was just such a beautiful setup for the season. And again, in the context of the entire season, it makes even better sense and it's even better to look at this specific one. So that's why I decided to put that on my list. Very good reasoning. Much better than for your top two. <laughs> I just have such Ugh. a immense personal dislike of episode four because of the whole Lilith debacle. I know. I know. I am not rational about this. It's a better choice for me to go with that one oh, than to go with the karaoke celestial special because I feel like if I even mentioned that in that segment, you would probably just no. reach through the camera and it hits me over a face no. with a ball. Honestly, if you had the bloody celestial karaoke as your second favorite, I would have less of a disagreement than with the black and white one. Okay. Because one is personal and one is general and personal is always worse. Next up, we go into the aforementioned favorite three songs of season five. And because last time we had a bit of a disagreement, this time we made sure the fave three are for normal, regular songs. And each of us is going to pick one favorite cast song. So since the devil's in the music and music in general is your forte, I want you to be the one to start. So I have three songs. It was very difficult Same. to pick three songs. It, yes. There's just so many good ones. And the reason is I don't have them in an order. Oh, I do. They're just three songs that exist. They're close to each other. Yes. And because each of those songs I picked for different reasons. So that's the reason why I didn't put them in, in a specific order. All right. So I'm going to start this off with Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. That is not on my list. Ooh, there's a good chance that the other two songs are on your list. But Depeche Mode, Personal Jesus, Depeche Mode is such a rich history kind of a band. It's a staple. It's incredible. They're very, very good. And they have produced music that influenced my entire life. Personal Jesus is one of their biggest songs that ever happened. I think this is why I didn't put them. Because I was so intertwined with them during my goth days that now I'm a bit over their songs. Mm. Mm. No, that's fair. That's fair. It's just something that was a part of my growing up. So yeah, same. That was the first one that I was like, this needs to be on my list. And this is the reason. I'm pretty sure I have used this reasoning in previous summoning episodes for other songs. Totally valid. But I find it hilarious that to me, because Dippish Mode was such a staple in such a long period of my life, I didn't put them there. And for you, it's quite the opposite. Because it was such a relevant part of your youth, you put Dippish Mode, Personal Jesus I mean, for the same reason I could have picked, instead of this one, I could have picked the Glenn Miller song that we had because Glenn Miller is also a big part of my growing up and and coming to age and listening and discovering jazz and and the history of music and stuff like that. But I didn't. I decided to go with this one. Similar emotion behind it, though. My first pick is the one I covered for the Devils in the Music Switcheroo, and that is Inside by Chris Avantgarde and Red Rosamond, which is, of course, episode seven, end of the episode when Dan shoots Lucifer and the thing is this song is atmospheric wise just really really haunting and it works absolutely amazingly for me and so this is why it 
made my first choice for favorite song of season five. And Yay. also why I did the Devils in the Music on it. So my next song. You actually have mentioned when you were uh, telling me between which songs you were choosing for your Devils in the Music. So I was like, I'm relatively confident that it may be on your list. Maybe not. We'll see. And it is Dark Side by Oceans and Hail. That's also my second one. It's an incredible Jinx. song. I was kind of considering going either with this or a different song that is very Lucifer typical. But this is just such a strong emotional song that really accents everything that's happening on the show. Also, the placement is so fucking brilliant because this is at the end of episode two after Michael has put fear into everyone. And we get the montage yeah. of seeing the fears of everyone and then yeah. when the song fades out Emmanuel goes down to hell to collect Lucifer with a yo dude you gotta come up to earth this is something chills just thinking about that bit chills and the lyrics like one of the most noticeable parts of the lyrics is will you cross over and given the, the fact side, that we yeah. are crossing over between realms this felt incredibly fitting and the whole vibe of the song is so sinister so yeah i am completely in agreement with you this is the second pick as well yeah absolutely but okay now so let me know what is your third pick so my third pick and this is a song that i've done my devils in the music on at the time the reason for that i love the original the original version of this song is incredible and i've talked about this in the bonus if you are a believer you may remember me chatting about this song forever is this But the same as mine? I have a sneaky feeling that it is. It's a song that is covered by King Princess and Mark uh, and it's in arrangement of Mark Ronson. <laughs> it's called Happy Together and it's clearly confirmed by the both of us as the best song of this entire season. Well, I put it as my third favorite, but whatever. Oh my god, I am baffled and hilarious. At the same time that this is yet another match because there are so many songs this season. Yeah, and I agree. But we agreed on two of the... Two out of three. Two yeah. out of three of the best songs. And this is just hilarious to me. See, this song... See, Personal Jesus was kind of a constant... But it was like, if I Happy find anything that's going to be... If, if I find anything that can replace Personal Jesus, I'll be fine with it. It's fine. But when I re-listened to the bits of the soundtrack, Happy Together is the one song I was like, this has to be on the list. I don't even fucking care. And then I went back through my notes and noticed that that's the song that I was covering. And I'm like, obviously I did because it's so good. Like the placement of the song is so amazing because this is right after... Mm. Michael but we don't know it yet so not Lucifer shows up and we get the montage of actual happiness and non-happiness because we have Linda and Amanda with Charlie we have Ella with the bad guy that she hooked up with we have Dan struggling with Charlotte's loss that I referenced at the beginning of the summoning episode we have Mace fucking up the piano in the penthouse so good and all the while These unhappy moments happen. You have da da da. da It's da, oh da, my da, god. Da, 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 da. 
so fucking good. So yeah, I am. It's incredible. Absolutely with you. This also made it into my top three because holy shit, fucking amazing. And I'm not gonna lie, I forgot you covered this and I considered this for my Devils in the Music switcheroo. <laughs> so this would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I am pretty sure though, I am pretty sure that I've mostly talked about Mark Ronson. I talked about Mark Ronson for a little bit and then I talked about the original. So if you would have been able to find a lot of information on the uh, on King Princess or specifically maybe do a do a one deep dive on Mark Ronson, it would have been di- very different. I didn't even my... start researching them because I found enough on my actual Devils in the Music. All right, Vero, what is your favorite cast song? I want you to start this one because I am split between two, and I, I am just also see split what you between have. two. Oh God damn it! Okay, well, okay, I'm gonna go first, and I will see if your second is my um, not officially backup one. So I know that we talked about this a lot in the episode, if it is actually part of that shenanigans or not. But I decided for my peace of mind that it is not. And I decided for my peace of mind that it is. And so I went with Wicked Game. Because voice-wise and performance-wise, Wicked Game is, in my opinion, one of Tom's best performances. I know that he has sung many, many songs, but the only songs, in my opinion, that are better than Wicked Game are All Along the Watchtower and Cinnamon. Ooh, I would go with Creep. Creep and All Along the Watchtower. For me, Creep is too emotional to be good outside the episode setting, but Hmm. the other two, they work even when you just listen to them and you know nothing about Lucifer. Creep is so personal because he is yeah. so much himself in this song you know it is th- th- yeah. there's too much emotion in it's, it yeah it's it's too attached yeah emotionally but the cinnamon cover is simply brilliant that is incredible that's true I completely forgot about that one and so to me the top three of all time Tom Ellis songs are All Along the Watchtower number one Cinnamon number two and Wicked Game number three I've talked about this in the episode and I've talked about this in the bonus of that episode because I'm pretty sure I've covered Wicked Game as my devils in the music it is genuinely one of my favorite songs ever yeah and this is one of one of the reasons I completely agree with you however I I will contest you with a song that unfortunately we do not have a recording officially on Spotify yet, but it's a duet by Tom and Okay, Amy. it's not mine. Okay. It's called It's So Hard to Say Goodbye. And it's the song that Lucifer and Ella sings at Dan's funeral. And the Screw reason you. I went... It doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. The reason I went with it, it's not that much of an amazing song. It's a really great cover. They do a really amazing job singing it. But the context of the song is just beautiful and heartbreaking and obviously it never happened. So I'm not even talking about anything here right now. That didn't even cross my mind. I completely blanked on this. Do you know what my pseudo backup was? Just in case your pick was Wicked Game because I know how much you (laughs) love Wicked Game. Smile. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's oh, but screw and you! Your pick is horrible. I hate you. Oh my god! Do you mean by horrible? Do you mean amazing? Yes, of course. <laughs> oh my god! I completely blanked on that song, but you're right. It was no, so yeah. Good. I'm going to tell you just a little bit that I've put together about the music itself before we move on to the next segment. Because the next segment is going to be massive. 
so I heard. So before we get into that, little, little details. Unfortunately, it's not as fun as it was before. This season, we have been introducing new artists to Lucifer. Unfortunately for me, there was again no Valerie Broussard, which makes me think that Netflix hates Valerie, which makes me hate Netflix. Unfortunately, there is very little information because, as I said, we do not really you know, use the same artists as we used to, except for the big comeback of clergy. Clergy! Yes, I knew it! So, most of our regular bands are missing, but clergy has made a comeback in the very last episode as the very last two songs of the season. Two songs in a row. As we fall, and so it begins. Which brings the number of their featured songs to nine, which now officially surpasses Valerie, who had six plus songs after season four. Mm-hmm. Especially, well, technically after season three, because she was not featured in season four at all. So it was six songs that were on the playlist, plus whatever was on YouTube, which was, at, I think it was two songs that were only YouTube songs, which brings her up to eight. And with this season, Clarity officially surpasses her, even though I believe two of those songs were together just kind of a fun fact we did have a few artists that repeated themselves but they would only have two songs each in this season and they were city wolf they were valley of wolves oh yeah i considered them for devils on the for the devils in the music one of their songs was on my shortlist for the best songs as well uh there was royal deluxe which one of their songs also has been on my shortlist there was hail which Ta-da! not only had the song that we both picked, Dark Side, but uh, they also had a solo song on the playlist. So then we had a segment of four different songs by one artist, but those were just this kind of a mood music in the uh, mid-season finale. So I didn't consider them as a part of this list in the end. So unfortunately, that's it this week, this time, this summoning. Yeah, I completely forgot about the segment. Thank you for not forgetting about it because this is awesome. I'm expecting more clergy from season six and I genuinely hope they bring back Rolling Stones. Maybe they surprise us with some Valerie. Oh, please. Do you remember, though, I have mentioned this before, in seasons one, two, and three all had one Rolling Stones songs in it. Oh, one right. One yeah. song in it. Yeah, and right. I am kind of hoping that they're going to bring that back because I think that was great. And I very much enjoyed that. Also, we didn't have any David Bowie this season. But we had Iggy Pop. True, true. For me, those work together. So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Next up, we have the general thoughts slash stuff, as we call it in our summoning notes. And I went very much like I did go with all the general thoughts in every single episode. And I typed out all my thoughts. Ah, and maybe it's an entire page. Maybe. So I don't know how you wrote down your general thoughts. Is it like a comprehensive bubble or this time it is? Yes, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bit. So do you want to go first or should I go first? I can get it out of the way and then we can debate yours. All right, I'll see. We'll see how it goes. So you start. Okay. So generally this season was affected by COVID. Unfortunately, it was not originally written as a two-parter and it does show at times. I forgot 
got that. You're right. But it wasn't just that. They also started working on this season thinking that this is the last one. And they originally started working on this season and it was only supposed to have 11 episodes. So there was a lot of changes they had to deal with while they already were in production. And, you know, yes, they had to do changes. And does it show at places? Yes, it does. But do I think that they still done an incredible job? Absolutely. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed Maze's arc, and we've talked about it today multiple times, as well as Dance, who had an incredible storyline. They really did make us love him as much as we humanly could before killing him off. I was about to say that before they killed him. <laughs> yeah, but like, this is the best move that they could have done because there was no way we could have cared for done anymore yeah. there was no way we could have hurt anymore yeah. than that we did so that was amazing and I love that Lucifer is dealing with issues that are completely on a different level than the ones in previous seasons the reason for that is that he is now mature enough to be able to deal with them while all of these issues are still so very Lucifer yeah so in the entirety well fucking done in my opinion this was the best season yet ah I saw the face of agreement until the very last yeah, sentence. Yeah, that, that that's I the said. thing. Like my immediate reaction is to agree with you, but and like I said, where I wrote down this one pager. <laughs> And so let's get through it because I agree with everything you said about Dan and Mace. Absolutely. I completely forgot that COVID affected this season in the middle because I have gotten so used to COVID being our new normal that I had completely not realized that, wait a moment, the first half of the season that was pre-COVID. Yeah, they shut down the production when they were about halfway through the second last episode. That's the thing. That's the thing. I completely forgot that season five was filmed in parts or in most parts pre-COVID. So that didn't even touch my general thoughts because I have become so used to the pandemic as our new and current normal that I didn't even consider that. And you're absolutely right. And I am extremely appreciative that you pointed it out because, yeah, some of the issues probably stem from that. Yet again, Vero to the rescue. No, like seriously, <laughs> your perspectives this summoning episode are very valuable to me. But since I ignored that part, I looked at this very um, classically. And so my first thought is, this season was long. <laughs> Looking back at the season, it feels like it went on forever, but also as if nothing really happened. And then I started opening all my pages, like of the notes, and then I realized how fucking much had actually happened. So this is why this is getting longish. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> the wrapping around the season is, of course, Michael as the plot. Him showing up, fooling everyone, sowing fear to the point that God leaves the universe. But in the end, fear loses to love. And that is probably one of the main juxtapositions between Michael and Lucifer. Love winning over fear in the end. And I want to put this out here. Consider that Lucifer does not in fact bring out desire in people, but that he brings out what they would love to do or be or become. Dance arc, as I have made extremely clear, is one of my absolute favorite things. We both kind of... Even though it ends with us losing him. But like I said, we have 
have been to both hell and heaven. I am optimistic his arc is... His story is not over. We'll see more of him. Mace's path, absolutely fucking brilliant. Her growing a soul with all the implications that some of those I didn't see coming really brought her back up my favorite list. Add to that, a grown Eve as her partner and my heart is happy. But I wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about the dark sides. Get it? Dark side, the song. Dark sides of this season. Not everything was fun and joy for me. I have talked in detail about my issues with Linda's plot, her helicopter mom tendencies and her lack of focus on the people around her, both in the summoning episode and in the individual episodes. Another thing is Ella's darkness, plus her now being the literal only person not in the know. Both of these things are something that is grating on my nerves. And also, even though while it happened, I absolutely enjoyed it, the Pete's storyline was absolutely wasted. And I am very upset with it in retrospective. Yes. You know? I didn't even think about that as this, because if you look at the details while it was happening, it was really well lived and it was loaded of fun to kind but of it was so go short. with but it was it was two episodes wasn't it two or three just two three okay it was three episodes but it could have been like Ella's story yeah for so much longer they could have done so much more with it if they had decided to spend the time with Ella yeah I'm upset with the fact that Ella always seems to be the afterthought and that plays into me not being satisfied with her dark because I have made this very clear in the episode when she talks about her darkness with Linda Mm -hmm. this seems extremely normal to me the thought process that she describes I'm just sitting here and going like I thought everyone had this and so either I am very not normal or the writing is really bad please let us know and send us emails to lucifer at tot-podcast.com it's with Ella I absolutely agree it's like one of the big thorns in my eye about this season and about the last couple of seasons I'm not gonna lie exactly literally they give her some space for us to know her a little but not enough at the beginning and ever since then we've been only left to want more and the thing is they have shown us with mace with eve even though she has been so absent in most of the episodes and with them that they know how to develop a side character and so to me it is not a lack of ability but it is a conscious choice and this is why i'm angry about the lack yeah see this can only be saved slash changed if they give us some sort of a resolution in season six this is something i talk about in my questions for season six but before we go there i'm not done yet because now there is god It is hard to believe he was only around for the second half of the season and he wasn't even in every episode. My dislike of him feels incredibly disproportionate given how little screen time he actually has. Even when you count episode 8, he was only in 5 episodes of 16. I honestly do wonder if there are people who feel that Lucifer's and God's relationship got healthily and happily resolved. And if there are, I truly hope they send us an email. Help me understand that perspective. Because I don't. I am aware that I might be heavily projecting 
my personal issues. Mm-hmm. But I simply do not see a single actually supportive, loving thing God has ever done for any of his children. But least of all for Lucifer. Yeah, the anger that he has, uh, that Lucifer has towards his dad is completely justified. It's so rightfully, it's so righteous. God basically gaslit all of them their entire existence by claiming they had free will and at the same time he had a plan for everything while punishing any disobedience in an absolutely and utterly disproportionate way only to resolve it all in a free second I love you and then (laughs) fucking off to be never seen again I am so angry I am so livid at this and so I honestly truly ask if there is anyone who feels that this relationship was happily and or healthily resolved because to me this is so dissatisfying this is so lacking in any layer but I also honestly don't know if it's because of my own projecting or if it is because it really was bad so Please write in, because if you don't, I will be asking Tom Ellis, Joe, and or Ildi whenever I get the chance to meet them. Yes! Or, uh, of course, God himself, if he ever gets invited to... Oh my god, imagine! A convention. To wrap this up, the last point I want to talk about is Tom Ellis playing two characters this season. I'm not gonna lie, I really liked that we got Michael as Lucifer's twin. But I had some severe issues with Michael. Because so much of the classic Michael story, both lore and comic-wise, had already been done with a mana deal. I sometimes felt that Michael's character did not have or get enough substance to be anything besides I'm Lucifer's twin and we have a rivalry. You know? I get that. But also I kind of think that that's part of his problem. That he literally have never identified himself as anything else but I'm Lucifer's twin. The thing is, there were hints. Because we have the backstory hinted at with the fucked up shoulder and the fucked up wing. But Mm -hmm. it never gets explained we never get any more information on this because i agree with you in michael's point of view there is only lucifer but as a viewer we need more yeah but everything we learn about michael is that he gave you more attention and even though you rebelled you were rewarded with a throne in hell and now i'm mad and i hate it yeah i hate it he is lucifer's fucking twin he needs to be smarter he needs to be more than just yeah, well, this I mean, extremely one-dimensional character. And also, he was able to manipulate God into believing that he lost his powers. So he is obviously extremely capable. So since season five ends with Lucifer not killing Michael, but instead cutting off his wings, which is how Lucifer, on his own choice, starts the show. I am extremely curious if we are gonna get a mirror arc with Mm. Michael in LA getting a true second chance. And that wraps up my general faults and feelings of season five. And also segues uh, into questions for season six. I don't exactly have questions, questions. It's more uh, things that I hope that they get resolved. Okay, I have questions. So I would like to start because I don't have stuff I hope they address. I have actual questions. Go for it. Question number one, and I'm pretty sure you're going to agree. Will Ella finally be led into the Celestial In-Group? Yes. 
Alright, question number two. Will Michael be a relevant character in season six? And will one of my points also. And will he possibly get a redemption arc? That's something I even think about. But no, he doesn't deserve redemption. Everyone deserves redemption. Didn't you listen to Lucifer? Everyone deserves a second chance. Lucifer said so and Lucifer is always right. Nah, 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 nah. You know I'm right. You know he's right. You know we're right. So shut up. But now, to my most important question, because I'm incredibly proud of this, because I didn't think about this ever before, and I never mentioned it. Yes. What are the upper angel's powers? Lucifer has desire, Ooh. Michael has fear, Emmanuel has faith, and Uriel had that probability thing. What about Zadkiel? Gabriel? All the others? Hanjobedal? Do all angels inspire something in others? If not, why only some angels? If only supposed archangels, since Amenadiel in the beginning was the Michael stand-in, where the hell is Raphael and what is his power? I need answers. Isn't Gabriel also an archangel? Depends on the Lord. Did you not listen to my devils in the details in the past? I most definitely did, but then I forgot everything. Awesome. But so, Raphael, definitely one of the archangels. We've never met him. So, duh. Give me some information. I need answers. And if season six doesn't answer this and Lux happens after we do our coverage of Lucifer season six, I will ask this to anyone Who's available? I don't care. Anyone who's willing to listen? That's the same thing as being available at a convention because they have no choice when I queue up and it's my turn. Your question is very good and I'm very interested in the answers. I do want to add a question or more like an interest from myself. It's about Dan's fate. I am pretty sure it's gonna get addressed, but yeah. it is something that needs to be said. We need this. We need to see what's gonna happen to Daniel in hell. I didn't put this on my questions because for me it was made so extremely clear with Mr. Set Out Bitch being the first person to transition from hell to heaven that this is something that will have to happen to Dan in the next season. Yes. And then from a completely practical view, I am very curious about how will it work for Chloe as Lucifer's consultant? We mentioned it in the episode already. She asked this question and he glances by it. Because he doesn't know either. Where is Trixie gonna live? Is she just gonna stay at home and Chloe is gonna pop by because time is not gonna matter anymore or what? Especially since Dan's not around anymore, you know? Is Trixie gonna have to live with Penelope? Ew, poor Trixie. Yeah, right? That's not good. No, 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 no. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That is a very important question. How is that setup gonna work? Yeah. Logistically. Exactly. Tell us the logistics. We're here for the boring logistic information. But also tell Chloe the logistics because I'm sure that she's very curious as of how this is gonna work. True. Any more questions for season six? That is it for me. All right. You've covered the rest. The next point on our list is comparing season five to previous seasons. I have three points of comparison. Oh, wait, me too. Oh, then get us started and we'll see if there's any matches. Okay. Well, 
I started it off with us seeing the further decline from the case of the week concept that towards following a meta plot and caring for our characters. So that's a thing that we have already seen in season four, but I think it was a little bit deepened in season five with the size of the meta plot. I wrapped this up in something related because one mm. of my major complaints in the past seasons, not just season four, but in all the previous seasons, was the two steps forward, one step back mentality that was used in all of the character development. And I feel like they have stopped using this in all of the characters because just like you said, we are less case of the week and more character development driven now. So there's more space for the character development. And because the, and because the space is there, we don't need to go back and forth, back and forth, tease, oh no, tease, and no, you know? So I agree with you, I just phrased it differently. Yeah. We still have new problems rise within the characters because we do need a character drama because it's still a TV show. But yeah. it is so much more satisfying than it used to be in the previous season. So I absolutely agree with you on that point. Give us your next one. So next one is Ella regarding. And it is the fact that we get a little bit more about her. We did, after all, get the storyline with Pete. Yes, it was nowhere near as deep and nowhere near as detailed as we would love. But we get some sort of a storyline for Ella that is directly and only affected. Ella, which I appreciate it, and I hope that they're gonna end this story progression. They have made this progression with how much space Ella gets, and it's been more and more and yeah. more. So please, hopefully, they're gonna continue with this yep. for season six. But this was one of the and bigger wrap things. it up satisfyingly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I did not have an Ella-related point, but I do have a character-related point comparing season five to previous seasons. Mm -hmm. Because with dad being around, there has to be a parallel to mom that has to be drawn. And I have talked about this in detail in several episodes. Because as our dear listeners surely remember, I had a deep dislike of mom. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember that. But the thing is, she put in the work and the effort, at least with Lucifer and mostly with Amenadiel, to right her wrongs, so to say. She spent the time there. She did the work. She was around. And when she had to leave... It wasn't of her own volition, so to say, but it was the only workable solution so as to not destroy the place her sons loved. So her leaving back then was a sacrifice as opposed to this season. God leaving was entirely selfish. And I feel like this is the main difference between mom and dad. Mom fucked up, but she started out at a selfish place and she ended at being willing to self-sacrifice. Yeah, she was willing to make amends. And dad has always been at the selfish place. He never wavered from this, from the beginning to the very end. And I feel like this is why I hate this character with such a passion. Because he is, throughout his existence in the show, egotistical. Yeah, that's true. And the three seconds of I love you do not make up for this at all. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm gonna end my comparisons with a little bit more of a structural note. Okay, mine's also more structural. <laughs> 
the way they structure this season is, and we've mentioned that when we were actually watching the episodes, they have managed to do one character focused episodes for multiple characters. I don't think they did it for all of them, but they've done it for at least four different ones. And that was such a joy to watch because we had the Dan one, we had the Ella one, we had Linda with Adriana. Yeah, we had Linda. We All the other ones are pretty much Lucifer and Chloe based already. We also had a lot of Maze. We had a lot of Maze. We had a Menadiel focused one. Detective well. Menadiel, yeah. So we had very character specific episodes which I really really liked because again and we're coming back to it it gives us more character development and it gives us more time with the people that we love and we don't have to yes there's still some sort of a crime happening most of the time but we don't have to bother with the murderers nobody really cares about them anyway we want to see what our favorite characters do and they gave this to us this time so I was very happy with that and this actually ties in perfectly with my final point because season 5 felt the longest season yet to me even though it had less episodes than for example season 3 but because every single episode was so rich there was so much more content in a way in season 5 which like I said in my general thoughts I was like well we're done nothing happened and you start looking at your notes it's like holy shit everything happened so much happened and season 3 for example had 26 episodes and it Mm -hmm. wasn't as rich as season 5 was with 16 episodes And so this is fully in agreement with what you said. Because they were so character-driven and character-focused, this season was so full of content. And I am super curious because season six is only going to have 10 episodes. So holy shit. If they continue this quality, we're going to have like three-hour episodes for every single episode. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but... To be fair, listeners, don't be worried. It's only last 10 episodes. You can suffer through the longer ones. Also, most of it is going to be ending up in a bonus, so you need to be a believer. So, duh. Fair, 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 fair. You know what? I have had and we have had people approach uh, us in the last couple of weeks about, you know, starting to listen. And it's it's always really nice to hear that. So if you are starting to listen, if you're going backwards, or if you choose to listen to this episode for some reason at the beginning, or if you are going with us, if you want to tag us on social media, if you want to let us know on Twitter that you are listening and what you think, please if you have do. Any because it always, if, it always brings us so much joy when we see people tagging us and, and telling us, hey, listen to this podcast, you know, it's Lucifer related. Or, you know, I just started listening to this. Somebody last week saying, I just started listening to this and the first episode was incredible. Thank you so much. I'm like, this is just the biggest and best compliment that we can ever get. Also, some of the feedback and comments and thoughts that we have seen from some of our listeners where both of us were like, oh, wow, why didn't we think of this? And then we... (laughs) That's another thing. Depending on what it is, we either incorporate it in the episode that we're recording next or we're saving it for the summoning episode, depending on what the topic is. But we're just two people. And yes, we do try and sometimes we surprise each other. But the people 
listening to this show? Holy shit. Sometimes their perspective is just like mind blowing. And I, both of us are extremely appreciative when it comes to that. Yeah. So let us know. Enough with the praise, my dear. Because oh, now we go into the segment of the stuff we monitor. The stuff we monitor. Exactly. Every time. Because every time we get to, I to this stage, I'm drunk enough to make this joke. Yeah, but I didn't do it. <laughs> you did it. So it's not my fault. As you might have noticed, dear listeners, we have abandoned the polls. Because we suck. Because we're forgetful. Because we suck. And so there will be no talk about polls. Because they died. Which is a shame. Well, I'm sure I would have won all the polls again. Again. Never ever. We'll see if we can revive it for season six but hey no promises but there has been something else that we did every single episode two things actually see this is a surprise for me as well so i am as shook as you are listeners her facial expression is hilarious there are two things that i have been tracking in my notes for one i need your help dear listeners because the only other option is me listening to our season two and three and i will not do that And the other, I did all the research. So let's start with the part I need your help with. And that is the obsession matches. In season five and season four, I documented how many times Vero and I agreed on the obsession of the week. But we introduced the obsession of the week all the way back in season two. Did we? According to my notes. We are so smart. I can't believe it. But sadly, I did not count how many times we agreed, even remotely. So, dear listeners, if you are able and or willing, please let us know how our final score was in season two and season three. For season four, we had, out of ten episodes, five matches, which is exactly 50%. And for season five, out of 16 episodes, we had eight matches, which is also 50%. So I am gonna lean myself very far out of the window and I will claim that both for season three and season two, we had 50% matches. And this is gonna be true until someone of our listener proves me wrong. And since neither you nor I will ever listen to our own episodes... It will have to be a listener to change my claim and position on this. In season one, we didn't have the category, so it doesn't count. Also, if I remember correctly, in season two, we said obsession of the week, but we didn't directly specify it was going to be Lucifer's obsession of the week. Still, we have disagreed way more often. I don't care. My claim is 50%, period. But (laughs) for the next part, I don't need listener help because I had IMDb and... Sometimes, even most of the times, IMDb has been incredibly helpful for my research. Because one of the categories that I am tracking is title set by person. And of course, the most important person of Lucifer, tracking-wise, is Lucifer. So, of all five seasons, I have the score of total episodes and episode titles set by Lucifer. We're gonna go backwards, and in the end, I'm gonna have a total score. Do you want to take an educated guess out of 83 episodes? 83 episodes. 83 episodes. How many times it was Lucifer who set a title? As an educated guess, I'm gonna go with 49. Lock that in. We'll see how close she is. Season 5 had 16 episodes. Out of those 16 episodes, 6 episodes were set by Lucifer. 
in season four. We had ten episodes. Out of these ten episodes, six again were set by Lucifer. You're counting on your fingers, so we're now at twelve. In season three, and I did ignore all the, oh, this would belong in season whatever, and this was just blah, 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 blah. I ignored all of that. Out of 26 episodes, 15 were set by Lucifer. Can you still count or do you need my help? She's struggling, but I... 27. Okay. In season two, we had 18 episodes and a whole fucking 16 were set by lucifer <laughs> okay this is getting difficult 16 i'm gonna give her so a second to do her finger counting i will not correct her if she's wrong in her counting because i did my math in writing so it would be unfair okay go on so you got your number i get my number in season one i did not count it myself i had to rely on imdb shout out to imdb 13 episodes, but the first episode is the pilot. It did not have a name, so it cannot be counted. So it's not 83 episodes in total, it's 82 episodes in total. Of 12 named episodes, 8 were named by Lucifer. Yeah? Do you have a final number? I have a number and I don't think I was very far off. What is your final number? My final number is 53. 51, but yes. <laughs> But my but my fingers. I don't know how you did the type how you did the counting. I put it into a calculator, so I'm pretty sure I'm more right than it's, you. It's it's five and and three. It's Okay, I I must have made a mistake somewhere. Sechs, I'm not gonna lie. 18, 24. No, I'm right. 51 is correct. This works for me because I was very close and yes. I'm very proud of myself. You were extremely close. And so 51 out of 82 named episodes have been named by Lucifer. But given the fact that most people assume that he names nearly every episode, I want to point out that 31 have not been named by him. So I'm curious how the last 10 episodes are going to look and how our number is going to look for 92 named episodes. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. We're doing so well. Yeah, we're, we're doing extremely well with our 50%. I'm so proud of us. But like with naming the episode, Lucifer is still leading. The last thing we monitor is, of course, our questionnaire. I will not tell you in this questionnaire what we're going to be doing with this. But trust us, we have a plan with this. And once we have a more realistic handle on it, it's all going to make sense. Pew, 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 pew. I will just read us through the questionnaire. It's not not as bad as I think season three was because season three was really, really long. But this time we were okay. So we'll see if there's any questions that need to be stricken from the record. Question number one. Where does Amenadiel live? With Linda and Mace or somewhere else? And I actually want to keep this question because there is one episode where she is like, oh, there's lasagna, like for you to reheat and everything. And if he lived there, he wouldn't need that information. Next question. Why were episodes 10 and 11 switched for a release in season 5? Now we go into the chronological questions. Season 5, episode 1. Could they not think of another way of doing the parallel with Hell slash Earth while maintaining the time differential? Or did they just not 
care. You remember that was something we were not happy with. We just realized this question needs to be moved one up. Did they purposefully write Ella as a character no one ever listens to? Or did it just happen and they decided to run with it? This is something that is still very true in this season. And I really want to keep this question. Season 5, episode 2. After the cold open, we can see a scorpion scurry away from the Mars compound. Was there any reason or even deeper meaning as to why this was there? I remember because this was something that IMDb claimed that there was a special reason for this, right? And we didn't agree and this is why we put it here. Because we wanted to make sure. Yes! Also, season 5, episode 2. What did Ella dream about relating to Aragorn, that's not your sword! (laughs) Oh my god, I forgot about that. It's so funny. I really want to ask Amy... (laughs) We need to ask Amy. This is like the perfect question for Amy because I am telling you she's going to love it. She's going to take it and run with it. Then we didn't have any questions for several episodes. But then season five, episode eight. What is an Alabama pin poke? We have to ask this to Chris Rafferty because it was part of Payback Dan whiteboard planning. And the internet did not have an answer. Season 5, episode 9. What is Maze's favorite cocktail, aka what was in the glass that dad gave her? Should we just put down the names of the actors that we need to ask? This is something that we do for when we tell our listeners why we keep this questionnaire. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Season 5, episode 10. What was the process of choosing hell for Dan as a song since it is less on point text-wise than any of the other songs in that episode. Also, season 5, episode 10, was Amenadiel aware of the bloody karaoke jam going on or was he as oblivious as the humans? See, I don't remember we posed this question at all. Was I drunk that episode? No, but do you agree that it makes sense? (laughs) Oh, it's it's a good question. And also still, episode 10 of season 5, is Wicked Game part of the effect Dad has, or is just Lucifer singing by himself in the wee hours of the morning? This is something that we will not agree on, so we Ever. need somebody who is who is involved in the production of the song to tell us. Season 5, episode 11. What was Dan's reasoning for shooting Lucifer? Was it a promise by Michael that drove him? Or did he think that no Lucifer in close life would keep her and potentially Trixie out of hell? Season 5, episode 12. When did Lucifer devise the exact plan? Was it the moment Chloe handed him the file? Or was it before? This is a question I'm willing to strike because I feel like it gets answered in a later episode. So I feel like he planned this the long way. This is a question I'm willing to strike. See, I think that he had a long-term plan, but Chloe giving me this file put everything in motion. It was too detailed with the lost exes and Louise and everyone. I feel like this... See, this is exactly the reason why this question is on the list. Okay, so it's not stricken. Also, season 5, episode 12. Did Lucifer hire the lost exes from the bike shop right from the beginning or only after interacting with them? Another point of contention between you and me. And thirdly, season 5, episode 12. Does Lucifer really not know how to ride a bike? He implies this when saying it wouldn't be the first time I spend far too much money on something I don't know how to use. And this is a question I really want to ask. Yeah. Episode 13, season 5. Since Mace self-actualizes her soul, is her demon half-face also self-actualized like Lucifer's devil face? See, the answer to that is probably yes. But I still want to ask it. 
Still a good question. Also for episode 13, does Tom Ellis know how to bartend? The creation of the honey whiskey sour is a bit awkward in its preparation. It's doing so well until it's not. And we've talked about this in the episode. And I disagree because ever since then someone made this drink for me and I am perfectly happy how Tom Ellis does it in the show. So this is your question and if you want to keep it, we keep it. Listen, listen, I know what you're saying, but there is a one point and I've said it in the episode. I know. There is a one point when he starts shaking the drink that is completely off and it's scary how bad it is so i am convinced that he does not know how to how to shake a drink i have zero bartending experience and so i will follow your direction on this i am happy happy to offer tom a class of how to shake a drink so what are you gonna do if he says that he is a classically trained bartender or something well then i tell him uh well who taught who taught your you teacher how to shake sucks? a drink because this is bad so you're gonna tell him your teacher sucks really yes i will do that i will do that if he says that he he had a training as a bartender and somebody showed him to shake a drink like this i will literally say that person has no business behind a bar i can tell you that i have 15 years of experience all good penultimate question season five episode 14 because at the point of this recording i have not written down (laughs) questions for episode 15 or 16 Sorry, we're lazy. Your face is lazy. If Gabriel is always listening, how did she end up on Michael's side? Yeah. It's a great question. I love this question. It's the greatest question. And the last question is, who defended heaven in the Luciverse? Was it a Manadiel or was it Michael or was it both? And that concludes the questionnaire for season five. Because we could not be ours to do our homework before recording the summoning episode. And so we have two <laughs> entire unedited episodes that need to be added to this. But trust me, dear listeners, it's all gonna make sense. One day. And now that I have monologued for quite long enough. I don't know what you're talking about. Shut the fuck up. So Vero is gonna take us into the feedback section of the summoning episode. Okay, so it is time. I mean, you may think they are still so drunk. We are not. We will sound drunk, though, because that's that's who we are. But it is time to get into our feedback. We do have a couple of really nice messages that, um, for one, I'm very excited to share with you all. As if I'm not excited for the feedback to be shared. I mean, I meant like us. And- mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, people, this is how it works. We record the normal part get drunk as shit don't remember half of it until one of us has to edit it and then we record the feedback part and we have to start sober rude and this is just how we are so suffer Mm -hmm. through it with us and sorry to everyone who sent in messages and questions and feedback because we're gonna butcher it as we always do but we love you and And we appreciate you. you Okay, I'm going to start with the first one. And the first one comes from Julie. Hi, Julie. And it goes, there is a couple of questions. So I'm going to, we're going to answer them as we go, hopefully. We are sorry for anything that's about to happen. But I'm going to start with reading. So here we go. I've been racking my brain to think of questions. But the truth is that you both have come up with so many great questions that anything I might add would be superfluous. 
I think my dream would be to talk to the actors in conversations because I'm fascinated about the relationships to the characters and how they manage boundaries between self and others. As a non-actor, I've always been so curious about this. This is something where I feel that maybe you could share some insight because you do have acting experience more than me. Yes, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before. It There is a different techniques that you can use and you can run with. And obviously, I'm not here to speak for any of the actors in there on this show. But as much as I understand and I've seen quite often is that you think of this character as your friend. You think of... Mm, that's bad wording. It's just... Mm, it's so difficult to, to explain. I'm, some, I'm terrible. Sorry. So when you are acting and you are trying to create a character, you always need to make sure that the boundaries are there, that you remember who you are. You don't have to remember it when you're on stage or when you're in front of the camera, but you need to be self-assured in yourself because you don't want to lose yourself to the other character. And you've seen the problem with that around in the world when somebody really goes deep. Um, I think Heath Ledger is a very good example of that process. And there is many different people, actors, who are being made fun of for going really, really deep, which, you know, it can be quite helpful if you start thinking like the person that you're supposed to be playing. But it can also be very, very damaging if you don't know how to get back to yourself. So would method acting be on the scale further to the hurtful approach yes, of it? for sure. For sure. Method acting and kind of goes towards the actor's studio method of acting where you are using your own emotion to connect with the character's emotion. It is something that have taken down so many different people over the years, like Marilyn Monroe. Both physically and psychologically, right? Exactly. Because like physically exactly. it's much easier to identify thinking, for example, of Christian Bale in The Mechanist, mm -hmm. where he hungered himself down to fit the body mm -hmm. for this role and right after he had to bulk up again for the Batman, uh, Batman. and yeah. he like fainted repeatedly on set because he put so much strain on his body to make sure that the makeup wasn't what made him look like it but his entire body and everything was like true to the character I'm gonna say here And so the physical strain is easier to see from the external part, but mentally it's just as strainful and potentially damaging. And I feel like there have been several roles in the history that were damaging to the actor immersing him or herself in the role. See, the biggest thing with this is that you can't use this kind of acting on stage because you're required to bring this every single night for weeks. Yeah. Depending on the system of your theater culture, yeah. uh, it can vary sometimes. Like, for example, in Czech Republic, you have numerous of plays that you are a part of. So you do, I don't know, 12 different roles 
every month mm. repeatedly and then you go on for years on end. So on Tuesday so, you're Hamlet, on Wednesday you're Don Juan, on yeah, Thursday you're whichever. But exactly. So this is how it works in on theater. our yeah, on stage for theater. us. Theater. However, in uh, the western culture it works a little bit differently. You get shorter and more intense rehearsal time and then you play this again for shorter and more intense time. So you say on Broadway I believe it's about six weeks at a time where you play this every single day. But you only play this one role and none other. Which can be very, very intense. It can be good because then you get to just focus on this one, but also it can burn you out much quicker. And then, of course, on TV, depending on how long a show runs, the character you're playing on a healthy level either becomes your very good friend mm-hmm. that you understand on a basic human level and in an unhealthy way would probably take over your life if you get too close in quotation marks with the character. Exactly. And so looking at shows that have run for ages and ages and ages, it's like, okay, Supernatural, the people who play the main cast, they have played the same character for over 10 years. Yeah. I mean, look at Grey's Anatomy. That's nearly two decades of of very intense characters. There's Days of Our Lives. Like, There's so many shows where you have long-term relationships with your roles. And they mm-hmm. probably do become a much closer part of yourself with a much more difficult-to-maintain boundary compared to a movie. Yes, I think you need to find your way of loving the character, even though you you can hate them, if even though they're a villain. But if you are with the character for this long, you need to find a way to love them. Also, a villain never considers themselves a villain. That exactly. is very important. That's, that's and that is an something ad- that has been repeatedly said when people were asking like this question, how do you like align your inside values with playing a horrible, horrible person? And it's like, well, that person does not consider themselves horrible or bad. Which is also something that I hope that Aya is going to talk about uh, at the voice convention, because mm-hmm. she plays one of the most horrible people on the show. And that is saying something. Yeah, that is definitely <laughs> saying something. But yeah, overall, I think it really depends uh, if it's a long-term commitment or short-term commitment. You can really get into the emotional intensity if it's just a short, shorter amount of time that you spend with the character. And you don't have to worry that much about blurring the lines, especially if you have a strong enough grasp on yourself. Yeah. Also, Julie, sorry that we answer your non-question We didn't even get to the questions. With like 20 minutes or something. Curious how much is going to be left over. (laughs) So uh, this might take a while. Bear with us. (laughs) Fun fact. We are sober-ish. We're high on life. Mm, Most definitely. High on refunds today. (laughs) So uh, you're welcome for answering your question that is not a question. From a... uh, Semi, once semi-professional actress. And someone who has only been on stage ages ago. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. But, you know, finding the boundaries and managing the boundaries is always a very difficult process, regardless of your own mental state. And I think that everyone kind of needs to find their way around it. You know, the same way as you, as yourself, need to find a way to love yourself. You need to find your own way to do these things. So I think it's that's, that's about my answer for that. All right, let's get into the actual questions of this email, maybe. 
back to the email. I do have some questions or thoughts for you and Nina, though. Yay! We got to those. First, have you ever seen the show Naked and Afraid? I assume that episode is a reference to the show, but I'm not entirely sure. I have to confess, I have never even heard of that show. Neither have I. And so, so maybe at some uh, point when we're done, because spoiler alert, there's only 11 more episodes that you will be listening to from here on on. So maybe in 11 episode releases later, we might take time and check it out. Who knows? But I have never heard of it, I have to say. Mm, yeah, well, we'll check it out anyway. So the next one is more of a statement and this is my personal victory. It goes, I love that whenever you talk about your violin, it becomes clear how Lina does not understand that violins are people too. And Julie, you could not be more right. Lina does not understand the violin people and she does not understand the violins. I love her regardless. There's still, you know, a lot I understand the violins, but not the violins. Uh-huh. <laughs> and t- 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 I the person who hates puns, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, it was just lying there. I had to. Well done. Well done. Okay, well, um, I want to point out that I appreciate you and I appreciate that there are people out there who understand my violin slash viola humor and who, when at one point, I think in like season three, we talked about the viola jokes and stuff. I'm pretty sure Julie did email us or or somebody did. Maybe it wasn't Julie. Maybe we, there is another person who understands my suffering as well as Julie does. And they were like, oh yeah, by the way, viola jokes, you go girl. And I was so happy because I spent so much time trying to explain this to you and you did not understand. Just gonna let this stand. Thanks. Also, I confess I have just looked up what Naked and Afraid is as a show. It sounds absolutely wild and I definitely want to watch like one or two episodes of it. It's basically like Survivor, but they're naked and just two. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, maybe we're not gonna cover that then. But I really want to watch it. I kind of want to see what the... Is it like, are they are they on an island, naked and afraid? Exactly. And are they supposed to start new humanity? No, no, no. One male, one female. Each person is allowed to bring one survival item. And otherwise, they have nothing, not even clothes on. Where are you going to put that survival item? And is it going to be a dildo? No, it's like a machete or a fire starter set or something like Why that. Why not a dildo? Because it's not a survival item, Vero. It is a survival item for some people. No, not when you have no food and no shelter no clothing. You can beat somebody up with dildo. No. So basically it sounds like Survivor, but with just two people and... And a dildo. And even less equipment. So... I'm gonna cut out all the fucking dildo talk. God damn it! So, Julie, never heard of that. I am intrigued. I definitely wanna check it out because, yeah, it does sound like this was a reference. For sure, for sure. And then we go, I've been enjoying all the bonus material. Uh, Sidebar, if you all want to enjoy the bonus material, you know what to do. Join our Patreon, join our Patreon. And I now know way too much about mini golf. No such thing. I have had Father and son by Yusef stuck in my head for days. Yes! And and yes, it would have been perfect. I'm pretty sure we mentioned it on the episode as well, but if you want to know exactly what Julie's talking about, you need to listen to the bonus. So join our Patreon. Give us money every month. For as few as five euro a month, you can listen to all of that and understand what we're talking about. And there's a lot of bonus shit because as you might have noticed, we just can't shut up. Dildo. I'm editing out every <laughs> single dildo. <laughs> No! 
Okay, let me finish this email. I hope you both have a great time at the convention. Unfortunately, <laughs> that convention is not going to happen until the next year. And I can't wait to hear all about it. You still will, Julie. Don't worry. Cheers, Julie. So, tears, tears, tears. The convention has been postponed for a year. So it's happening in 2023. No matter where we are and no matter what we're doing, we will try to get as many answers as possible from our question list. And no matter what we're covering at that point, or if we're even still doing a podcast, we will release as many answers as we can to all the questions that we have collected. So that is a promise. Don't you worry. But yeah, it's going to be a year until that moment. Thank you so much for this email, Julie. And speaking of emails that Julie sent in, I also want to shout out one other thing that was mentioned, not in a feedback email, but something else she sent in. Because back when we started, about two years ago, yes, I know, eight ages, ages. We were not the people we were today, but we were trying. But sometimes we failed. And Julie pointed out that in early episodes, we, or rather mostly me, I think, called Chloe Prude. Because I, if we remember, was not a fan of Chloe. You were not. But obviously, Prude is a very negative associated word especially when it comes to women because it's something that I talked about in the devils in the detail with the Virgin Mary versus the seductress with the whole Eve character yep and as a woman you can't win if you have sex then you're a slut when you don't have sex you're prude and both terms are so negative in derogatory they are derogatory and just simply words that we as women do not want to be using when talking about other women fictional or real doesn't really matter and so i was really appreciative when julie pointed this out to us because i honestly did not even remember what we talked about in the beginning of the show and so sometimes we are so used to using words that we are aware we shouldn't be using and we like to grow and learn from our mistakes so if we drop the ball on any other subject word topic whatever please do let us know because while we try we are far from being perfect and we like to learn so please do reach out if you catch us on another misstep don't think there's anything to add because <laughs> you just you just said it very well one thing to add sorry the word that we settled on that would have been a much more fitting description for Chloe back in season one is restrained because she is the antithesis to Lucifer in season one. He is completely unrestrained and hypersexual and she is the counterpart to this. So instead of describing her in a negative light and using words like prude, it would have been much more accurate to say she is restrained. And so now I know. You have such way with words. I do try. Okay, the next one is from Lottie. It Whee! is more of a review and praise for us rather than questions. So... I'm just going to get through it and we're going to enjoy how amazing Lottie thinks we are and we appreciate it. I am not usually someone who listens to podcasts, but I sure could not get enough of this one. It is clever, funny, intelligent and entertaining. I don't know what I loved more. Vero recapping the previous episode. Seriously, woman, how do you get so much input into that tiny amount of words? That is a really good point. How oh, do you. you do it? Ha, I just try really hard. Or Lina finding yet another hill to die on and discuss it furiously beforehand. I have no idea what she's talking about. 
I think that's such an excellent way of pointing out our best qualities. So thank you. <laughs> you can really hear the love for the show Lucifer and its creators they both have this show has many funny moments as well as some fun the more you know tidbits I listen to this all the time in my free time and it makes me so happy to hear a bunch of nerds rumble hilariously on about Lucifer 10 out of 10 would recommend to anyone who is a Lucifer fan oh or Lucifan, it's I could adjust the end. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Lottie. This is such a beautiful rave on our behalf, and we really do appreciate it. I'm Lina is blushing. so touched. I'm blushing yeah, she's... very much. Also, I would never pick a hill to die on. Never. You back to about 15 different episodes when Lena goes, this is my hill and I'm gonna die on it. It's not even like in the last episode, I specifically <laughs> said, well, this is one thing where I don't have to die on this hill because it was such an exception. But no, 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 never, ever, never, ever, ever. Slander, slander, I say. Oh, it's beautiful. I am fully aware of my peculiarities. And there we are again with the words. I don't, even Peculiarities. Know an, I don't even know if that's an actual word, but who cares? Well, it is now. You said it. It is a word. I made it. Wow, it's mine. Put it into the Oxford Dictionary. Ah, screw them. So with this beautiful feedback emails done, we do have one more thing to talk about before we get into our spoilers. And that is Jay's a little talking point that she sent us in our Patreon Discord. Yes, that is a thing. I am plugging it again. If you want to join it and give us talking points or whatever, you can join our Patreon at whichever level from starting from one euro a month. And then you can just keep spamming Vero with whatever you want. You can just keep tagging her and talking to her and she will have to respond because I'm going to make her. I am worried. <laughs> Back to the point, to the talking point. Jay has asked us to compare the singular episode watching to binging both halves so far apart from each other. So if I understand this correctly, she is asking us if our feelings and opinions have changed watching it as two halves or watching it all together now. Well, not just if our feelings have changed, but how the experience was different between both versions of going through the entire season five. Because there mm -hmm. was a very, very long break between mm -hmm. part A and part B. And we also watched the trailer together for part B. Yes, we have. Which yes, you can have. check out, I think, on our Patreon, even if you're not a I, patron. I'm quite sure that it is... The audio version is available for non-patrons as well. And so this is definitely something that we should be talking about because it was the first time that we were able to binge it first, do the specials, and then mm -hmm. go through it one by one with the usual amount of time that we grant each episode and research and freeze frames and everything because that is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. So... How did it feel so, for you? To me, there is a lot of things that I have realized within my brain when 
I was watching it apart that, oh, they were going for this and they were going for that. But it didn't actually emotionally connect within. So, for example, I think the biggest one, and that's something that we probably going to kind of share, but you don't think that you're going to be feeling as strongly, is Adriana. And that whole plot line of Linda being introduced as a person who gave up her kid when she was very young and now struggling with the aftermath many, many years later. And then we had the Adriana-focused episode where she was a suspect. And I remember when we talked about it at first in the special, it just felt so out of nowhere because it was a year apart. And I completely I completely forgot that Adriana existed, <laughs> let alone having any sort of an emotional attachment to her at all or to that plotline and I know that it didn't change extremely in a sense that now I love Adriana and I want more of her no I now understand it more and I now can connect to it on emotional level way more easily than I did before so that was one of the biggest changes for me from the binging slash but that is mostly relating to the break in between episode eight and nine Mm -hmm. is there a difference for you how you experience the show between binging eight episodes and watching eight episodes one at a time doing Mm. the analysis oh okay i think i get to grow a little bit more closer to the characters this way which way uh the one one by one going mm-hmm. into the details way the way we cover it on the podcast even though we do we have been taking a little bit longer breaks lately in recording it still feels very personal when i think about all these characters because when i watch it i go into it yes analytically but also i pay much more attention to every single flick of an emotion or every single detail every single word that they say so it just helps me understand them better and i think it's a great thing to kind of create a relationship with them on my side of the screen so i have one last question before i'm gonna do my part on Uh, this talking point if you had a choice would you rather cover something episode by episode without having seen the entire thing before or do you prefer the watch the entire thing and then do it all in detail I think I would like to try to experience it without spoilers. So watching it before knowing where the story is going, because I feel like there would be a lot lot more freaking out about what's going to happen, what's going to happen. So I think it would be a little bit different because this way I can more focus on uh, I know where this is going and I'm going to pick up clues that have been embedded in there for me. Which you would be missing out on if you don't know the entire thing when you go into the in-depth watching. That is true. But it is difficult to kind of draw a line for us when we try to stay spoiler-free for our listeners. I know, but I'm asking what your preference would be if you could basically make a wish. Mm -hmm. Would you have preferred to not have the knowledge and thus be able to pick up on all the tiny details? Or would you have preferred to have it as we did it, with knowing the entire thing and thus being able? But also missing the, the wandering, the... Freaky theories, the wrong tangents. 
I think I think I want to try the wonder thing, which is I hope what I'm gonna be aiming for with the next thing that we're gonna do. But we need to talk about that first. Yes. So I would like to try the wonder thing before I give you an answer to that because I think it's gonna be great fun. But I also think that there would be missing out on a lot of details that I very much enjoy. I love rewatching and rereading things. All right. So to me, binging anything is way more emotionally engaging to me because mm-hmm. I have the option to let myself be completely engulfed in the story. So I usually prefer binging over any other way of watching anything. I mm-hmm. hate waiting for the next episode. I hate not knowing how it continues. I hate not knowing how a season ends. So usually when I have the option, I will binge at least an entire season. So to me, binging in itself is my preferred form. Yeah, of course, same. for the podcast, binging does not give me the options that I need, as was very obvious when we did the specials, because we binged through it and I took notes, but it also took me out of my usually deeply immersive experience. So binging each half on its own was not the in-depth experience that I usually get from binging stuff. But I have come to appreciate the in-depth analysis that we are now doing in wake of the podcast when we go episode by episode that I'm more than willing to make this sacrifice, so to say. The added depth and the added understanding for not just the characters, but also like the writing and directing choices and plot choices and everything is, in my opinion, definitely worth it compared to the only, in quotation marks, emotional gratification I get from binging it. That being said, this is not just about the binging versus one by one episode. This is also with the big break in between. Honestly, didn't really recognize much difference to that because most of the plot lines that were affected by this were not relevant to me, like the Adriana stuff. I didn't care about it either way. So Mm. that made no difference to me. Maze's development was specific enough to each half so that the cut we have in between eight and nine made narrative sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't feel like, oh, this took forever so we can get back into it. And also dance development, like all the things that were going on that were relevant to me made sense to be put on hold in between eight and nine. Mm -hmm. Of course, we had cliffhangers and such, but those were all good moments to pause, so to say. And so the break in between both halves, not really relevant to me. As for the wonder question, which hilariously enough is kind of a reference to episode one of season six, the wonder question is something that I have actually been thinking about because we so desperately didn't want to get accidentally spoiled spoiled, is why we did the specials. And so we had, we basically had to binge it so that we would get the first unspoiled, untainted experience Mm -hmm. because those moments, those emotions are what we draw upon when we go through it episode by episode because this podcast is spoiler free. And so we remember how we felt when we watched it for the very first time without being spoiled on anything. And Mm -hmm. so I, I would love if whatever our next project is, actually is something that is not something that we can 
just binge and then cover. Mm -hmm. So what many other podcasts do is that one person knows pretty much everything and the other person knows nothing. And this is one of the approaches that I feel are the best balanced mm -hmm. because this way you have one person with the attention to detail that, just like you said, is so great because you pick up on all these tiny things and the other person is the wonder seeker, the one who goes wide-eyed and open to all possibilities that the in-the-know person might not even consider. Wait, are you saying that this dynamic actually works the best? Hmm, I wonder where I saw that before. Are you making a Lucifer Season 6 Episode 1 reference or are you talking about several other amazing podcasts that employ exactly... <laughs> This no, I was version. I was I was referring to the season six episode one. So yeah, and if we haven't made it obvious enough, we have no idea what our next project is going to be. So we'll see how it goes. And Jay, I'm sorry for completely derailing your talking point into something that you probably didn't even intend us to be talking about. But knowing us, you can't be surprised. <laughs> True. That is so true. Thank you all for spending, by this point, probably five hours with us. We're mm -hmm. so not sorry that this episode of The Summoning for Season 5 ran long. Hopefully you enjoyed yourselves even half as much as we did, because then Hopefully. you definitely had an amazing time. And mm -hmm. if you want to send in more feedback, even if it doesn't relate to the now coming season six don't hesitate because there is only going to be one more summoning episode so if there is anything that you want us to talk about while recording please do send an email to lucifer at tot-podcast.com join the discord and send us a message there send us a message on patreon if you're one of our patrons send us a dm on twitter We don't care how you contact us, just contact us. Yeah, you can try skywriting, but I don't know if that's going to work out. It's getting pretty cloudy out there. So that but is all I have it, to say. And it, I'm going to hand the ending of this episode over to Vero. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to say thank you so much for listening. And uh, goodbye, unless... But wait, there's more. There is going to be some spoilers coming up. So you need to turn this off if you don't want to be spoiled about season six. Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Because it's coming. It's coming really, really soon. And I, I will always spoil you. In case you didn't know, I'm also a wonderful singer. This was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And if by now you have not pulled over your car to hit the pause button. I hope you didn't crash your car. If you have not stopped your bicycle to hit the pause button. And if you have not jumped out of the bathtub to hit the pause button. There is nothing we can do because here we go. Spoiler part of Summoning 5. Take it away, Vero. Hey, here we are. So we have come back to Jay. We are pretty sure we have recorded this last time we talked about uh, Summoning Season 5. But just we in case we didn't. We, I mean, I who's to say there was some sort of a cloud minding issue technical problems pretty sure definitely yeah. definitely so um just in case it got lost in translation we're gonna talk about this again jay asked us knowing how season six ends how would that ending have been tacked on to the end of 
season five in a satisfying way. And since Vero claims that she has some recollection of actually talking about this, I'm going to start us off because... Do it. This seems incredibly unfamiliar. What is the Lord of the Rings quote when Gandalf is standing there? I have no... Uh, uh, you know what I mean. Like when he's in Moria. I know what you mean. When he's standing yeah. in front of the Yeah, when fork. he's like... <laughs> yeah. That, that's me. That's me right now. And I can't even remember the quote. This is how confused I am. So... How would the ending of season six satisfyingly have been tacked on to season five? Definitely, definitely, definitely. I'm sure anything relating to the daughter would have been non-existent. I'm pretty sure we would have gotten uh, Chloe is pregnant, but we would not have gotten, uh, hello, here's your fully grown angel daughter that has many issues. Do you think they would actually get Chloe pregnant? I'm 100% sure that we would have gotten a Decastar baby either way, be it in expectancy or in person. Mm-hmm. Maybe so... they would still do some sort of a montage at the end. Oh yeah, definitely a montage, but then the person would have been more like the supernatural ending with like, yeah, we don't care who you are, but great that you're alive, you know? (laughs) So pretty sure anything relating to, fuck, what's her name? Oh my God. Awesome. To Brianna, Brianna, the actress would not have been included. The resolution of Lucifer turning hell into one ginormous therapy session definitely would have been still the end i'm very very sure mm-hmm. yeah and because they have been dropping hints on to that exactly the entire season five which now that we know how it ends we have repeatedly picked up on exactly. and so this is something that i find very very satisfying that this ending of lucifer going into hell and fixing hell so that it is not a place of despair anymore but rather a stop on your way to eternal happiness because you need to basically pay your dues if you were a shitty person Mm -hmm. I really appreciate the question is how would they have gotten him down there and that is where I'm pretty sure Dan's story would have been very different because Lucifer would have to be the one to consciously not like with Lee where it was unconscious but consciously help Dan figure out his guilt, face his guilt, and then make his way to heaven to then realize, okay, wait a moment. This is what I can do. This is the difference in the entire universe that I can make. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if they still would have found um, a reason for him to leave Chloe behind or if they would have more of the Amenadiel solution. Yeah. Because Amenadiel has the child and goes to heaven and comes back and goes to heaven and comes back, as far as we can tell. And so I do wonder if it would have been a more happy ending with Lucifer sticking around until Chloe is old and regularly dying. And then mm-hmm. her joining him down in hell with the whole therapy stuff. So yeah. that is the one question I'm not sure on. I also think that this is one of the biggest contention points people had with season six finale. That mm. they had to be separated because of the time travel shenanigans, you know? Yeah. So this is the one thing where I don't have an answer. But uh, so to summon it up. To summon it up. Huh? Uh, perfect. Um, to summon it. Yeah, to to summarize my ramblings, I'm pretty sure no alive daughter, I'm pretty sure Dan would have been more relevant. I'm pretty sure the ending with Amenadiel being a traveling god who resides both in heaven and earth would have still happened. And Lucifer would still be a therapist to fix hell because it's a shitty system. And Chloe, in the end, would have joined him and there would still have been a Decastar baby, but not as a fully realized person. See, I think that they may have 
gotten a little bit more intense with the war than they would have otherwise. I think that Michael would have played a part, but it wouldn't be as big of a part in the conclusion of the season if that would have been the case. Because we would have had to gone through the whole Lucifer's insecure, so he wants to be God, to be worthy. We would have gone through that anyway, I think. Do you think? But I think oh, I, I think that we would go through that part. But okay. also, and I think that would there would be some sort of a power squabble over the throne, which would bring Amenadiel to instead of letting Lucifer kind of like you know flip around in it for a while, Amenadiel would be more like, oh, I'm gonna actually take over because this is what I want to do, and Lucifer because Lucifer would step back earlier in order to take care of Dan and his soul. I think that would be the motivation for him to step back from the whole I actually realize that I don't want to be God because what where I can really make a difference is hell. Okay. I think the parts that we would be missing because so much would have needed to be cut from season five. Yeah. I honestly think that the Mace Eve storyline would have gotten much less space if not even it not gotten chopped, the yeah. resolution at all. I think they would try at least, but it would not be satisfying in by any means, I don't think. Yeah. I also don't think we would have gotten the resolution with Linda and Adriana as an entire episode. It would have been a side plot in one episode yes. and done. Yes. The same goes for Dan's experience with Naked and Afraid. That would be such shame, though. And I also am not sure if Ella would have learned about Lucifer and the Celestials being real. Huh. Because hmm. I feel like that she could have had... A happy ending with Carol mm -hmm. regardless of not being in the know. Yeah, yeah they would probably uh, got, they would probably gotten rid of the whole courting part and they would just suggest that they met and they possibly yeah. get on well. Yeah, like we would see him still taking over from Dan and uh, from Dan and Chloe and everything and basically it being Dan's last wish somehow could have been incorporated to have like stepping stones of Dan letting go of whatever guilt he has left because they would have to like search for what his guilt is and so that could have been one of the potential resolutions like okay mm -hmm. he really needs Ella and Carol to be happy and so they do that oh that's still not it okay what else could there be so those are the things that I feel might have not either not gotten any space or mm. significantly less space than entire episodes well, there is another thing to remember, and that's the fact that originally season five only was supposed to have, what, 12 episodes? And the yeah, order right. got increased after they already started shooting season five to 16. So I think that they have done... As because we and we've talked about this on a regular episode that they have done a lot of character specific episodes in season five yeah and the reason why they had the chance was not only the fact that they had extra episodes in the season but the fact that they didn't have to worry about finishing the show by the end of season five there's also all these special episodes like the black and white one with the ring backstory that could have been done much shorter and yeah, not with a huge episode then the entire musical episode 
could have been used to wrap up so many plot lines if they had the need for it. Mm -hmm. So I see many, many opportunities where they could have cut it down. But I made that point at the end of last episode very, very clearly. The end we got for season five was very, very satisfying because of all the time we got to spend with all of our different characters. And mm -hmm. so I am not only very glad that we got season six, but I'm even more glad that we got the character-focused episodes within yeah. season five. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I took over once again oh, no, 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 when no. you were talking. Sorry. <laughs> I, you did not. No, no, no. I have a lot of emotions. <laughs> I mean, I think we all do and we deserve it. But I think that's about it when it comes to, you know, Jay's question. And that concludes all the amazing feedback we have gotten for season five. If you missed the deadline, don't you worry. There is going to be one last summoning episode for season six. And Gasp. if you send in your feedback, it doesn't matter for which season it is. We will talk about it. If it is for season one, season two, season three, season four, season five, or of course, the future season six. So don't be afraid. Don't fret. Just send in your feedback to lucifer at taot-podcast.com and rest assured, we will read it and we will talk about it, no matter how weird, entertaining, silly or amazing it is, because we need it and we appreciate it. Please contact us if you can or if you want. We have social media. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. And again, it's not possible to have a podcast without people actually listening to it. So, I mean, it is possible, but it's what's the point? And the fact that you are out there and you're listening is making everything worth it. And we love you very much. It's still so surreal. Seriously, whenever I look at the numbers, it makes no sense that you are actually listening to us. So thank you so, so much. And with this, we say thank you and bye! bye!